Hello and welcome to the Understanding Project Management Discussions podcast. This is Dave Barrett. My guest today is Josh Kronk. I'm excited to have Josh on the podcast as he is a graduate of the PM program and a member of our very first cohort a number of years ago. Since graduation, Josh has worked in the high-tech sector within marketing-related roles. Which brings us to the topic of this discussion, that is, the use of project management within non-PM roles rather than as a full-time project manager. As Josh points out during our discussion, this tends to be very common in small to medium-sized organizations. And as a side note, I continue to struggle with Wi-Fi and video issues, so my video stopped working at about the 11 minute 30 second mark, but so it is with working remotely. Fortunately, Josh's video worked fine throughout. And with that, please welcome Josh Kronk. Hey, Josh, uh, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Dave? Good, good. It's good to see you after all these years. So um, anyways, just to start us off, I, I often tell students in my program, usually at the orientation and so on, where they're, they're, they're in a project management program, and I let them know that project management, in my estimation, estimation, project management is both a job, like a job description, a position, and it's a skill, something you do. So, so I, you know, I often tell students, you may never be called project manager, but you, you know, you, you will likely use a lot of the things that we're teaching. And when I say that, you know, I almost always have your name in the, in the back of my, in my head, because I've followed your career on, uh, on LinkedIn, and you've been, I think, primarily in the marketing sector or, or, or you know, uh, function. Um, but in terms of our conversation, you, you've, you've often, uh, uh, you know, referred to using project manager, applying it, and so on. So, you know, the topic of our discussion today is, is sort of, you know, kind of the, the use of project management or project management tools or techniques in a non-project management role. Um, so anyways, that's my big preamble. Um, so, um, so what, I guess my first question is, 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 you know, is that all true? You know, do, do you use project management at all? And if you do, what, what are the things that you, that you think, you know, is that you've taken from your past education, you know, with, with me and with the program and, and, and use now in your positions? Yeah. I mean, I think, Absolutely. I've applied project management methodologies pretty much since the day I got out of school and I've been doing it in the eight plus years since. And yeah, very rarely do I see, at least in my perspective in the organizations that I've worked for, very rarely do you, have I even worked with a project manager directly for many of the things that I work on, either, either on the marketing side and the projects that we execute externally or in my involvement with product management teams delivering products usually there isn't a project manager involved there is a person that is assigned the project manager for that role and that often falls on on me so i while i've never held the title of project manager i have often been the project manager for for marketing and go-to-market related product uh, projects so yeah it it has all come in handy in in different times and i think i've tried to pull out pull out a lot of the ideas and, and the ways of thinking and approaching projects from that program and trying to apply them in, in areas where 
formal project management isn't necessarily established. I've worked for a lot of, you know, while I'm in marketing, the companies that I've worked for have always been in the technology industry. So um, small to mid-sized companies. I currently work for a larger company, but still in technology and they're moving really fast and they don't necessarily have all of the formal project management methodologies established. They don't have all the formal documentation and things, but it's really trying to bring that lens and trying to codify things as much as possible and bring some of those to the projects to make sure that they're they're being run smoothly. And a lot of my stakeholders don't realize that I'm trying to, to, to borrow from, from project management methodologies and, and take that those things. I think from their perspective, it's just, oh, this thing happens to be going pretty smoothly and Josh has really good documentation. And that's right. a lot of a lot of what it's been over the years. But uh, but yeah, no, it's it's what I, I, I actually do credit credit that program, uh, the postgrad program quite a bit for teaching me how to think. I, I often I've said this to several people before, like my undergrad at university taught me how to learn and my postgrad at, uh, in project management taught me how to think. Because it, it really is whenever I approach anything at, at work now, it's really about like, how do we scope this? What are the constraints that we have here? Let's get this down. Let's get stakeholders involved early. Like stakeholder communications is by far the number one thing. Um, and all those things, I realize I'm pulling out of my pocket. I'm like, oh yeah, that's that's from that. <laughs> right. So hey, Josh, can I quote you on that? I, I just wrote that down about the how to learn, how to think. I love that. That's that's a that's a great way for us to talk to prospective students. But uh, I know what you mean. I just want to, you know, there's there's a whole lot there that you just said. One was um, there's a lot of companies, like you said, and and absolutely agreed, especially small to mid-sized companies, I'd say, but also technology companies, I think, uh, where there there isn't a full-time project manager that that's all they do is project management. It's usually it's often a you know a, a part of their job that's sort of bolted onto your job. It's a, a it's a part of your job. So you're a you're a, you're a product manager, you're a marketing manager, you're a, you know whatever, and you're managing this project. And that, that is so common. Um, versus other companies are are full in. They have a PMO. They have dedicated project managers and et cetera, et cetera. So, and, and neither is, it's a, it's a, how do you want to, you know, uh, how do you want to make your soup? You know, like it's, it's yeah. right or wrong. I'd say for small companies and organizations, uh, likely a part-time makes more sense, part-time PM, you know? Yes and no. I, I think you do lose a little bit of that skill set when it's, when it's bolted onto someone's job. Like there has never been a, there's never been a project that I've worked on. And I've worked on many projects over the past eight years of my career. There's never been a project where I've only been the project manager. I am both contributor and project manager and the project management things, the like the entire planning phase of me scoping out what it is that we wanna do for this upcoming marketing launch. Uh, what are the marketing deliverables that we want? Who's involved building that schedule, um, you know, documenting our work back schedules, filling out like our go-to-market plan. Those are all very project management things, but those end up being the things that I do in evenings and on weekends because I'm also having to be the contributor. A lot of those things have my name as an owner that I have to deliver. So that's that's the downside of, of uh, being in marketing and having to run these projects is you don't really get the time to dedicate that that discipline to the project, but it still has to be there 
in some component or your projects are never going to get done or you're going to miss out on some of the really important things that you need to deliver yeah. um, especially for marketing launches when there's there's a whole bunch of things you have to you have to coordinate when you're when you're launching products right right no i agree with you in in some ways though you know because of that it, it almost forces you to pull out the essential parts of project like project management. It's easy to get lost in the process, you know, and I, <laughs> I've been involved in some projects and so on where, you know, the project manager will be more concerned with the process than the actual output, you know, we'll lose sight of the, you know, well, we have this, you know, I've always, I've often said, you know, I, I'd rather, you know, sometimes project managers can have brilliantly created Gantt charts and color and all linked together in order to tell your stakeholder they're going to be late. I'd rather have the, the back of the envelope, you know, like, you know, you know, black and white schedule that's on time, you know, like, so, so in some ways, you know, the, the, one of the upside, and I know it's kind of tough because it's in, you know, it's, you're, it sounds like it's in the, in the margins of your time, is it's forcing you to, to almost um, kind of prioritize the absolute essential parts of project management. Like, that's what I'm perceiving from that. Yeah, and I think that's, that is the appetite that I think most companies that I've worked for have is, and I don't necessarily agree with it all the way, and I certainly don't like it as like a corporate principle, and I've seen it as a corporate principle, but it's like, as little process as possible is how many of my companies have have uh, have tried to share their their internal perspective, and I don't necessarily agree with that. I think I think process is a good thing. Certainly, there's a tipping point when it becomes a barrier to productivity, but there's like a happy medium in there that you got to find. And sometimes, like small tech startups, just don't want to. They just want to just go, put your head down, and and run. And yeah. um, there's there's a happy medium, which is why I which is why I'm glad that. I have a little bit of experience there that I can try to rein these things in and um, try to introduce some of this structure without it looking like it's structured necessarily. And, and yeah, definitely the prioritization piece. Like there are yeah. a lot of things that I would love to do if I had more time, like just spending a week, just thinking about like, what are the risks here? Like, let's, let's identify them. And even in like my current project that I'm working on right now, I have a section in my like my go-to-market plan, which is basically our project plan, and I have like a little risk section. And we're two months in, and I still haven't really filled that out because I just I don't have the time to do it. But also, it hasn't it hasn't been the end of the world either. We've still managed to to move forward. So, yeah, it's yeah. trying to find that balance and and right as long as you're communicating, that's the important thing. A couple of things are though that I I'm I'm not a I'm not a a psychologist or a you know, or understand the way the brain works, but I'm pretty sure the fact that you wrote risk down, your brain is thinking about it. You're, 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 you're subconscious in your, you know, in your, well, I was going to say driving to work, but you, <laughs> when you, when you're driving to the grocery store, yes, uh, yes. Your, your brain's probably going, oh, yeah, what, what, uh, you know, what could go wrong and all that. And so just the fact that you wrote the words R-I-S-K down somewhere, uh, has has got you you thinking about it. Um, I want to come back to your your no process thing, and and I'm I'm right with you. Like you know this this you know this uh, I I think you and I are are aligned on this, and it makes sense when we I, I remember um, you know back you know eight or nine years ago we were pretty aligned at that time, and I think in our outlooks too is 
is that there is a there is a, a break even point of process. You want to have some process, like you know, process is 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 how we get things done. And and uh, there is um, you know, I'm digressing a little bit, but in in some of my classes, I've I've shown a a, a YouTube of, uh, of of a young Steve Jobs, who's around. It, it seemed to be around the late '90s or so. And he was talking about, you know, and everything he does, he sort of looks at the, you know, break it down into the process and the, you know, how do we get things done? It was for almost from this engineering point of view. And, uh, you know, I just thought, well, yeah, that's the guy that created Apple. So there, there is some value in, or co-created Apple. There is some value in, in, in process. It's just, you know, again, um, it's not the be all and the end all. It's not the, it's not, it's not the reason why we do things it's how we get to them, you know? So yeah. the other thing I, I wanted, this goes way back to when we first started, when you talked about um, your, your stakeholders uh, may not even know you're doing project management. And I think that is almost optimal. Like, like I almost view good, like optimal project management is, it's like the umpire in, in a baseball game. You shouldn't notice the umpire. And, and you know what, in, in the perfect project management, they just go, hey, geez, the, all the requirements are, you know, the things seem to come, the, you know, everything fits together. You know, we made our objectives. Wow, good job, Josh. That, that, how did you do that? You know, that, that would be the best, you know, as opposed to, you know, unfortunately, some of the downside, the negatives are, oh, it's ponderous documentation and, oh. You know, we have to we have to do this meeting because, well, that's the next step in the process. You know, that's that's the negative side. You know, I think that's what turns companies off sometimes. Yeah, yeah. You don't you don't want to you don't want to have to go through hoops just because they're there by design and they they've always been that way. So, like, I I get I get the idea that you don't want to have too much, but I don't know. It's never sat right with me since I've started my career that there seems to be some sort of. Yeah public smear campaign against process like that is that is an essential way of getting things done you have to do it and i and that's why i've tried to find the balance like why i'm i'm not taking every single project management template that there is and filling them all out and putting them all in you know google drive folder just to overwhelm people i think the way that i've tried to approach things is keep it as light as possible try to try spend extra time consolidating your information so that is as digestible as possible for someone looking it over. So like my project plans, they could be 30, 40 pages detailing every stage of the process, every deliverable, our strategic approach, all these things. I try not to, I try to make it 10 pages or less, which still seems way too long. But I think that's a big part of it too, is, is if, if they don't feel like you're introducing bureaucracy, then you're good and you're still able to like sneak some structure and some process in there, which is kind of, that's been like my, 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 the biggest top of mind thing for me is, is trying to, to find that balance over time. Yeah. No, that it's, it's I, I like what you're saying. It's almost like, you know, the, the documentation, the documents, they should be as light as possible. Like, like if you can, you know, you, you don't need to expand it to, you know, 30 pages, if you can get the point across in 10, you know, and, and then there is, you know, cause there, the, the, you're probably going to get more people reading the 10 pages than the 30. So you can document the 30 pages that no one will read potentially. 
or, or yeah. process. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the biggest thing is when you share a document, I think the success of your document is measured in how many comments are left by other people. And if it, yeah, the longer it is, the less comments you get, which isn't intuitive because you'd think the more content there is, there is, there's the more there is to comment on, but it's the right. opposite they, because they just don't read it then. So right. you kind of have to keep it, keep it as tight as possible. And yeah, like the other part of it is, is yeah, trying to make sure that they don't realize that you're, you're trying to apply project management techniques. It's like you have in your head of, of this is the next stage we need to get to. This is what we need to present to our, whatever stakeholder. Like I often, I'm a product marketer and the product manager is typically one of the key stakeholders in any project that I'm running. I'll usually just ping them out of the blue on Slack and say, Hey, can I book you for this meeting? I want to talk about topic X. They don't necessarily know why, but right. for me, it's like, I just know that this is the next step that we have to go through. We have to make sure that we're, uh, we're checking off these milestones because this in my own schedule, this is where we needed to get to, to unlock all of these, these other dependent deliverables. Yeah. You've, you've said the word schedule a few times. What, what type of schedule do you use? Do you use MS Project? Do you use Excel? Do you use, you know, um, you know, a Trello or Basecamp or what, what do you, do you have a tool of choice? On uh, I have used a few. Uh, my current role, uh, I use Google Sheets and it is the worst. I, I do not like managing projects out of, out of spreadsheets. I have used I have used Rike in the past and I have liked Rike a lot. That's probably my, I don't think it's a perfect tool, but it's probably been my favorite because it's probably the most project management-esque. Like it's the most similar to MS Project probably that I've used. I've used Asana as well. I think Asana is a much more friendly user interface, but it's not nearly as sophisticated. Like I just don't like the Gantt chart functionality there. So so yeah, I've, I've played around with tools. I think the, the problem with, with those types of tools, unless you're working in a, in a massive company is especially the new tools like the Rikes and the Asanas, they're charging per seat. So you have to really make the case in your company for why we need, why we need seats. And what I've experienced because, because I'm a product marketer and I kind of sit at the intersection of marketing and product, even if the marketing team has said, okay, we're going to use Asana to manage all of our marketing projects. My key stakeholders are product managers and product operations people and support people and technical people, and they don't have access and I can't pay for their seats. So right. that's kind of where I am a lot of the time. So I end up having to yeah, manage spreadsheets most of the time, that's, which isn't- That's really interesting because I, I, I've often said, you know, the most popular project management tool, a scheduling tool is Excel or by extension, Google Sheets, like basically it's a spreadsheet. It's just, yeah. it's just the way a lot of projects are, are done. And it's like you say, it's, it's, you know, Excel or Sheets, you know, unless you have some extensions on or something like that, it doesn't know anything about dependencies or, or, or yeah. that thing. Um, but, you know, I think you, you hit the, the root of the problem is, you know, Sheets and Excel, generally a company will have site license, like, well, Sheets, anyways, like they'll, everyone has it. Yeah. And that is, that, that, that feature allows it to spread versus if you have to make the case for Seats of Asana or whatever, then it brings back the process police who are going to say, yeah, but we don't want, <laughs> what are you trying to do to us, Josh? You know, so we don't want your newfangled process. So, you know, I can see where that's, that's where the wall is hit, you know? Yeah. And there's adoption, like, even if you can overcome the barrier of securing enough seats to accommodate cross-functional teams, 
and get every stakeholder in your project a license to one of these ridiculously expensive SaaS tools, you still then have the learning curve, which is another barrier on top of that, because exactly as you said, these people are going to say, whoa, 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 I like my spreadsheets. I don't want to learn this new tool, Josh. What are you doing? Right. Um, so there's, there's that thing to overcome as well. So uh, I've done both approaches and I don't think either one is perfect. Uh, there's been times where I've tried to run a project out of a project management tool and a lot of my stakeholder communications involve me like screenshotting Gantt charts out of that because my stakeholders don't have access and I just kind of, I just kind of go with it from there. But uh, yeah, no, a lot of my, I would love it if Google could just say, we're going to invest and we're going to build a really, really good project management extension on Google Sheets that yeah. track dependencies that generated Gantt charts automatically. Because the number of times I've had to highlight cells and change their color to a dark gray to like simulate a Gantt chart it's the worst. Yeah. Oh, I know. I, there, there, there used to be an extension for a free extension for Google Sheets, like Drive called Ganter, I think. But it, it, I think it got acquired and it's, it's, it has a fee for service now. Plus it, it, it just almost crashed Google Sheets all like it, it, it was so overwhelmed the, the thing, but I agree. I, I wish Google would, you know, Acquire smart sheets or something like that yeah. and integrate it in or something. It would be really cool. Just a, and if, even if it was a stripped down MS project, it wouldn't even have to have 90% of the, the functionality. You know, it would be Yeah, good. absolutely. Yeah, I, I don't think I ever, to be honest, for my projects anyway, and, and my projects are largely non technical, I don't need MS project. Like, I, it's, it's probably too much. It'd be overkill for a lot of my projects. So yeah, there's, there's probably a happy medium in there somewhere that, oh, yeah. uh, that would be fantastic. No, I, I do. And, and I'd say that to, to, to students of, you, you know, we're, we, we teach MS projects still as our, you know, it was, it was, it, 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 it was still there. probably will be for a while. It is, it is kind of the, everybody knows what it is or has heard of it. And, and I often say to students, this is a learning tool for you. It's typical of a, of a dependency based software but you're, it's a, there's a good chance you'll never use it or you won't use it in the company you're going to go to, but it still teaches you dependencies and things like that. So it still has a value from a educational point of view. Oh yeah. I, yeah. Like I've never used MS project outside of the program, but if I had not learned how to use MS project, I don't think I would have appreciated how Gantt charts are visualized right. and, and, and realized the, it's, all, it's almost a two-sided two -sided thing because on one hand, you want to know that stuff, but on the other hand, now I realize what I don't have. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ignorance would have been bliss, Dave. This is your fault. Yeah. So another question, and you're in your marketing, you're, you've been primarily in marketing-based projects, I, I think. Have you been more in, has your projects been more in the sort of the, the project lifecycle world, like the, you know, the more waterfall world or have you been more moving in towards agile in terms of of, of your projects or, or or some hybrid of that yeah it's it's we don't we didn't we don't we never get that sophisticated from a from a marketing project yeah um perspective um i think from a from a product development perspective i know like the first company that i worked for out of school they were very waterfall they were very hardware focused so if they ran a waterfall methodology, everyone else that I've worked for from a product perspective has been agile. 
Um, but we never like, I don't, if I, if I told half my marketing people the words agile waterfall, I don't think they'd, they'd yeah. know what those are, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's the projects that we run are, I think you, you could call them agile, lowercase a agile. Right. So you've got agile-ish. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, I, <laughs> Yeah, I've worked with 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 marketing folks, and and yeah, they're they're not they're they're not going to get all keen on, on on the differences between waterfall and agile. They they wouldn't find that interesting in general. No, yeah, it's a different mindset. I, I often felt myself as in my early days when I was, you know, a low level generalist. I, I often felt like the black sheep a little bit because I was, I always had a very operational like project management mindset to a lot of things. And it often ran, ran counter to a lot of the ways that, that my marketing colleagues thought where we'll just get this thing done. And I'm like, no, we need a plan. We need to set this thing up. So that's been, the, that's been an interesting, interesting learning for me over my career. And I, I think that's, that's been one of the things that I've appreciated though, is that while, while I've never been a project manager and I work in marketing, like I think the the way that you have success in your career is just by identifying your own superpower. And while I'll never claim to be a super project manager, I certainly think that 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 perspective that I have has definitely added value to the projects that I've been a part of, which I'm very grateful for. Yeah, that is that is absolutely true. That if you understanding your superpower and you know um, um, leveraging it, you know exploiting it, it is you know you. You know, um, I often I often found my own superpower when I was in industry before coming to education. I don't know what it is now. <laughs> maybe maybe doing podcast. <laughs> um, but my own superpower was I had a, an ability to interface between systems and business, like the the business folks. You know, I, I worked in, in in a financial services company, but within an IT department role, systems development. And this, you know, the, the systems people couldn't talk to the business people, like the, the, the managers and decision makers. And it's a common issue, right? It's between the product and, you know, and, and so there was this communication gulf and I, I had an ability to work in both worlds. I could understand both. And I was almost like a translator <laughs> and, and adding value more, more than a translator, but adding value to that. But I could, I could put a, put a foot in each, in each, in each uh, camp and, and both sides really valued it. And I often found over the years that I'd, I'd kind of say, well, I want to do something else for a while. I'm going to go do this in, in a different area. It was a big company. So a different area of the company. I always found myself gravitating back. Like I'd, I'd walk over here to work on this and then I'd be back because the superpower was too strong. It was, was too valued in, in a way. So, so that's, that's true. And that's really good advice. That's great career advice is to find that superpower that you have, you know, and, and yours is that working in this mode of, being able to work with the creative marketing types, right? <laughs> Tend to be more creatives, less focused on process. And you're bringing that rigor that to them in, in a palatable way to them, you know, without knocking them over the head and opening, cracking open Pembok and saying, you know, it says right here that we should be doing a project charter review. They, they wouldn't, they, they wouldn't listen to you if you did that. In, in, no. I'm guessing in the culture of the companies you've been in. I, I would be ostracized from uh, from any marketing team if I broke out the pinbox. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right, and that's the thing is that you 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 understood how far you can go, how far do you want to push it, and and ultimately most of the marketing folks I've been involved in, you know, and and, I, and we can sort of use marketing folks as sort of um, you know a proxy for 
creative types, the creators, um, they they do they do they do want so they they really appreciate the rigor. They do want to get things done. They don't want to be corralled, you know, overtly. They don't want to be controlled. But if 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 you can convince them that you can get things to help them get things done, then then it's a win win, and then they'll they'll recognize that for sure. So yeah, and I think I think a big part of that is, is being that translator too, right? I, and I that's that's I, I like the way that you said that because I, I feel like I play that role a lot of times as well, where like my in my job my job is to bring products to market, and that is to that is to work with product managers on what they're building, and then work with the marketing teams to execute those promotional campaigns at launch so that those two things can come to market at the same time and be effective and be consistent with what we're saying in the market and how we're positioning this product versus how it actually functions and the value it delivers. So I, I often find myself having to be that translator for the marketing team where they don't necessarily want to talk to a product person because it's going to get inevitably too technical for them. I have to kind of say like, let's let's cut through the technical stuff and let me translate it into what the value is and what we need to focus on from a creative perspective on how we want to like take my positioning and turn that into messaging let let me kind of worry about the the technical specifications and i can i can just be that filter for you and pull that through that's that's kind of been a role that yeah that, that as you said it in in your earlier career that's kind of how i feel that i am as well today and a big part of that too is is relationship management too trying to get people to understand and trust you as as a pro because then when you start to try to enforce timelines and and come to them pressing for we need this thing delivered because there is a subsequent task that is dependent on this thing they're much more likely to say okay you know i'll prioritize your thing today i'll get it done because you've put the time in to try to build that relationship with them that's been the biggest thing is is you have to kind of put the work in to build those relationships so that they're willing to work within the project confines as you've established them. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And, 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 you know, and I almost like, I like the way you're, you know, call it relationship management. I mean, it's from a, you know, a PMBOK point of view and so on, it's, it's stakeholder management, you know, which kind of almost in, in some ways kind of, you know, uh, you know, I, I um, I'm not, I can't think of the right word, but it, but it kind of makes it a little more vague. Well, what do you mean stakeholder? What do you, how are you managing the stakeholder? But it, it's really the relationship. And, and I do say that in words of, I find a lot of times my students have a really tough time figuring out, well, what do you mean manage your stakeholder management? What, what do you mean? And what they'll inevitably give me you know, I'll ask for a stakeholder management plan, just a, you know, and I, you wouldn't necessarily, I often say, you usually don't create the, you don't write these things down so much, but, but for, from an academic standpoint, we, you know, we're creating a document. Um, and you, you really have, the question is, how are you going to build and maintain a relationship with this person? For the very reason you're saying, you got to put the work in because when there's a crisis or a favor you need or a, something you need to get done later, if they don't know you, or if they think you're a, you know, if they think if they don't like you, it's not going to go well. And so it's relationship management. And but it's really that that's a really tough one sometimes for people new to organ like it's like new to project management or just new to organizations. They don't understand that. That it's it. But relationship management really puts it in perspective even more. 
Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, it's, it's funny you say that because I've had a couple of times in my career where I've, I've joined a company and have been thrown into a product launch plan midway through development. And, and I've tried to highlight those risks to my leads when I come in where they're like, they say, we're going to give you this project. And I have to go back and tell them, absolutely, we will run this and we'll make this happen. But at the same time, you have to acknowledge that to get favors from people, to make them willing to go above and beyond for you, to make sure that you're hitting those deadlines. Yeah, I think relationship management is is absolutely essential. And yeah, the way that I kind of see it in my, and this maybe is in my role because it's a little bit different because I am both project manager and contributor to the project. Like I'm in, I'm in the weeds with these people every day getting the work done alongside them. So I think that's why for me, it's, it's, while there is a formal identification of the stakeholders in your project, you're also working with them very closely to do the execution of the deliverables. So I think it's even that much more important in my role day to day. And I keep the stakeholder lingo to like our executives that are part of the formal review process before we turn things in. That's a good, everyone's a stakeholder, but I, I try to reserve stakeholder for like the VP of product who right. we need to run this plan by. I don't, I don't need, I don't need to be your best friend. You need to, you need to see that we've done good work and, and right. be in line with this, but I need my, I need my content marketer and my des graphic designer and this person and this person, I need them to be like, I like Josh, I'll work till 8 PM if I have to, to get this thing done for Josh. Well, I know I've often said like the stakeholder management, it gets kind of, you can almost see like the eyes glaze over, oh, yeah, whatever, you, you know, this doesn't sound it like it's, you know, I'll teach engineering students, for example, and they're kind of, oh, well, this isn't math. So what, what are we, what are we talking about this for? And sorry to any engineers watching this, but, um, but I sort of say that, you know, stakeholder slash relationship management is the key to almost everything else. You know, like if, if you, if you do a good job on that, you can mess up on a few things and, you know, if you've done it, you know, oftentimes, not guaranteed, I'm not saying you can just, you know, screw up anything, but, but oftentimes, even if you miss the mark a little bit, it'll be, ah, you know, Josh, good try. <laughs> you know, that's, that's okay, buddy. You know, you, you, you were close, but, if, but if they don't like you, like if they, if, if you have wronged them and not worked on the relationship, they're going to nail you for it, you know, and, and you have, it's a bit of the jungle, you know, in terms of, 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 you know, within, I was, th I was thinking when you said you got to work relationships, it's like, a, it's a, we're all in a game of survivor, you know, <laughs> in a way, you know, uh, and, and that's, there's, there's no rules on this. It's just, you're there making relationships and, you know, creating alliances and all that. It, it all happens in, in organizations and you gotta, you gotta, you gotta be willing, you gotta be good at playing that game. You know, uh, Dave, that is, that is the exact analogy, not the exact I am a big brother fan personally. Okay. Uh, I have said, I have said that so many times where I, I feel like I play big brother every day. Yeah. Not, not from a manipulation standpoint, because that's kind of the goal of the outcome of survivors and big brothers and those types of games. But from a, you need to build authentic relationships with people if you're going to get stuff done. And when, when push comes to shove and you're up against a hard deadline, it's, it's, it's that that's going to put you over and get things done. Yeah, if there was, I will, I will flat out say this, stakeholder communications or management, whatever the name of that course was in the program, the postgrad program, that is the number one pro, uh, class in my opinion. That is the most important thing. 
I know everyone wants to roll their eyes at soft skills, yeah. but the, the communications aspect and being a strong communicator, knowing who to communicate with and building those relationships with them, that's that connective tissue that is what will be the difference between a project succeeding and failing every time. So yeah, I, that was my favorite class and I think it was the most important class, Great. without a doubt. <laughs> and, sure. and I just will go on record. I taught that one in the year that you taught. You did. That's true. I don't you teach did. it anymore. I don't, but I, but I'll pass that on. Um, yeah. So I've, the thing I've said about like similar to that is I have seen projects succeed or fail. And, and, you know, even looking at the fail side and it's, and it's almost always because of communication, teamwork, the team, not, gelling something went wrong in in the, the the whole dynamics of the project i've seen that so many times i've rarely seen a project fail because the you know the project manager didn't know the difference between a finish to start de dependency and a finish to finish dependency like it they it, that's not the reason why why things succeed or fail it's the, it's the things that you're talking about is the primary thing you know so no, Anyways, absolutely. Josh, this has been a great conversation. I, I so enjoyed connecting with you and and just seeing, you know, the the your insights into, you know, the, the field of project management in a as we introduced a non PM primary role. Obviously, you do a lot of behind the scenes project management, but it's not in your job title directly. And it's 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 not you would you've said you're not a full-time pm but you certainly have used it all the time and so this is this is this has been really good so it's been great chatting with you and, and reconnecting with you yeah it's been a lot of fun thank you dave all right okay talk to you later